Welcome to IMTV. I'm Alan Keyes, and this is Let's Talk America. Well, today is Three Amigos Day. Uh, you know the Three Amigos. It's me, uh, Stacy Canfield, and Bob Sisson. Uh, now, Stacy and I are properly spaced in the studio here. We didn't have enough space, Bob, to include you, but you're, you're welcome, and therefore he's coming through from his home uh, so that the three of us will be able to discuss events that are taking place in the world. There's never a paucity of them. And for a change, we'll probably, I mean, over the last few days and weeks, we've been pretty much absolutely focused on coronavirus. And some of the stories will have maybe tangential relationship to that. Others do not. And some will be coronavirus stories, sort of, but we'll get into other aspects of the issues that are being raised, including what is happening to the churches and whether or not we're faced with something that's going to result not just in distancing on a temporary basis, but in isolating us within our individual selves in a way that actually destroys uh, our sense of community as a nation. And is that intentional? We'll be right back to discuss matters like that. Right. Hi, I'm Alan Keyes. I just want to let you know that on a recurring basis every Tuesday, we're going to have a guest, Mike Adams, the Health Ranger. He's going to be joining us to talk about the whole array of challenges, both in terms of our health as a people and as individuals, and our health as a nation. We'll be looking at those things through the eyes of someone who has thought deeply about many things and who has many great ideas to share with me and with you and with everyone who tunes in to Let's Talk America on Tuesdays when we meet with the Health Ranger to talk about how we sustain the health of our liberty. Welcome back. Well, today I'm a little bit at a disadvantage with my colleagues because I have spent so much time trying to prepare mind and thought for some of the shows we've been doing on the breakthrough that could very well spell an end to this crisis, but uh, may not be properly appreciated by many if we don't do something about it. So we've been doing those shows, and I hope you all have been watching them. Uh, but a lot of things have been transpiring uh, in the meantime. Some of them have caught my eye, but I thought that today I would go out and first see what's on the mind of my colleagues here. Uh, and see whether they want to give the wheel a whack. Have you noticed anything of interest that's on your mind? Well, we're getting the show back going. The party's going to start again. We're going to have the, um, it's all opening back up. We're going to start May 1st. The country's going to open back up. So, cure are, no cure, that's now, exciting to me. Are you confident that that's going to happen everywhere or on a phased basis? I think we're going to have that on a, a phased in basis, obviously, places like New York City, San Francisco, uh, the places that are having high outbreaks are going to happen. But, when you have a place like Texas, uh, the state the size of Texas with multi-millions of people there, and not to diminish the, the, the loss of life, there has been about 500 people die from, from COVID in the state of Texas, but you've destroyed an economy, and we've been destroying our economy for a long time, and it can't last much longer. We've got to open it back up. We'll have more than 500 people commit suicide if we leave it closed, I think. Well, but, but Bob, what do you think? Well, hey, I totally agree with what uh, Stacy's saying. Uh, I, you know, there's not been that many deaths, especially when you look at the, what they're telling us, that, that hospitals get what so much money for every COVID death they report. 
So they're glad to report just about anything that looks like it, smells like it, and even tastes like it. So it's COVID. So, uh, yeah, we have to open back up, man. Uh, people, our, our, our economy may be in trouble already. So we got to get busy. Well, two things are true. I agree, by the way, that we need imperatively to open the economy up as much as possible rather than sit in the situation we're in, because I think we can all of us probably foresee the truth that the longer it goes on, the harder it becomes to repair. Uh, but I was thinking as I was driving in today, uh, and, and we uh, broadcast from Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, which is kind of a tourist center, and it has lots of relatively small businesses. It is the home of one big business, uh, all the associated accoutrements of Dolly Parton's uh, sort of entertainment I you were empire. IMTV are here, <laughs> but you also have, but just seriously, you have a lot of smaller businesses. I've been kind of struck, uh, and maybe both of you have seen the same thing, by the fact, and I'm not sure what explains it, but most of the businesses have signs out and other things going on that seem to suggest they're pretty confident that they're going to open up and that they're going to, I think, be hit by a rush of pent-up business uh, that will probably mean that they'll be taking in some pretty good receipts uh, if they're prepared to meet it. Is that a false expectation? What do you think, Bob? Well, you know, there's uh, there's two two sides, of course, to that. But a lot of people don't think that people are going to be all that anxious to get out and move around. So, um, you know, I don't know. I don't know what they're telling us, whether we have to wear a mask, should wear a mask or not. Um, I just think there's a lot of uncertainty. I think people are going to stay at home. What do you think, Stacey? You think people are going to get out like they I, used to? I don't think. I don't think it's going to be near what everybody's hoping for. I think everybody's going no. to say if if it comes back seventy percent as strong as it was, I'll be pleasantly surprised. I think people are going to be naturally t uh, afraid of going out and being among people, uh, especially right. if you have pre-existing conditions. And I must say, if you have a pre-existing condition, you have lung issues, you're well up into your super senior years, and you know, easy, I, I, easy. I, I'm, I'm not naming <laughs> names, but you know, some people, you know, if, if you were in a weakened condition, hey, I wouldn't say go to the super movie theater. Don't go to the right. super show. Don't go to the thing where you're going to be with 8 million other people. That's not where you need to be um, until they get a little better handle on this. Well, oftentimes in movie theaters, for example, on any given time, you have a certain space during the day when there are a whole lot of people there. Um, I think that people who are a little apprehensive will know, and theaters should be asked to practice. If they practice the spatial distancing, everybody's sitting apart, it's going to reduce the movie experience before you start. But other than that, you're going to have the movie experience that you usually have, probably. Complete, I, I would guess, with a little popcorn or whatever. Um, why wouldn't people relying on the fact that those precautions will be taken show up at the movie theater? You think they're that apprehensive? Well, I think you have people who, you know, and I'm not just going to say movies. I'll say concerts, things like that. You know, if you go to a concert, there's one concert a night. You know, and it's a couple thousand people. Or if you're going to a, I, mean, I say bar, a lot of times people go for these social interactions of bars and restaurants, the social interactions. And I think they're going to be apprehensive of, of that. Sure, I think what you're going to see is a lot of people with masks on. I'm seeing a lot more people in just the last week than I ever have before wearing masks. Well, I think precautions like that might allow people to have greater confidence, too, though. Uh, leave aside the folks who are feeling invincible. Um, and leave aside the fact, and this is part of what I'm kind of lamenting 
about the reluctance of folks to look at the evidence uh, of things that strengthen the immune system, have direct uh, effects, uh, that kind of promise to neutralize the threat. And the most important one we've been discussing with some uh, very, uh, I think, uh, both brave and important scientists that could make a large difference. Because if word got out that there is a way not to make yourself immune or anything like that, but to deal with the effects of the COVID-19 virus while at the same time uh, destroying the virus itself. Don't you think a lot of people would be emboldened, would look at it, would want to give it a try? I think they would. Is that possibly why they're repressing it, Bob? Oh, absolutely it is. And that would lead us to the thought that there are evil people behind all this. And, and you sort of know there is anyway, because we had that discussion earlier today about the FDA and uh, how they're suppressing stuff. And, uh, and, and Stacy didn't see that. We need to send him those shows. But we had a guy on from Switzerland who was talking about different countries that he's uh, in the loop on have come to him and asked him for treatment, even for their doctors and stuff. And they're actually doing, in two countries on the planet, they're now testing chlorine dioxide on 20 people. But in Spain, they went ahead and ran, they, the doctors just took it on themselves to treat 100 people, and they said 97 fully recovered. So um, there's things going on in the world that if our nation doesn't get up to speed with it, we're going to look pretty stupid because other countries are going to come out with stuff. So it's pretty exciting times. Alan, what do you think about places like Sweden that have actually just pretty much said we're going to leave things going as they are and uh, let the hammer fall where it falls and some people will live and some people will die, but we'll have group immunity. Do you think that is a good plan? Well, frankly, I'm not entirely sure why they're that confident um, because I think that the herd immunity concept, good as far as it goes, but also questionable depending on the nature of the virus that you're dealing with and the body's reaction to it. Here's the big problem with viruses in general, though. With viruses in general, immunity to which virus? When they do all the vaccines and so forth and so on, guess what they do? They rifle shot them because each virus has characteristics that are sui generis. And viruses tend to mutate from generation to generation. Therefore, you have a greater variety. Bacteria are stable. You can develop uh, a one that encompasses a whole range of bacteria. But with the, with the viruses, it doesn't work that way. That's why it's a problem. That's why saying it's a novel coronavirus raised such hackles because every time you have something that's truly novel, you gotta find a different way of dealing with it than the previous way. Uh, and, and so the only thing that would promise to relieve you of that burden would be something that was general because it is dealing with the virus as the representative of a general effect. We've been learning about that, and I hope you all are watching these shows. We've had, we've had uh, Andreas Kalker on, uh, our, uh, on Let's Talk America. We've done a, uh, a couple of shows with, uh, with him talking about, several now I guess it would be, uh, shows with him talking about the demonstrated and proven effect of chlorine dioxide. You could see it with your own eyes in terms of dealing with the respiratory problems that have been the key causes of death, right? At least that's what we're told, it was supposed to be. And he says, and others are now agreeing with him, that it's not a form of pneumonia, it's oxygen deprivation yes. as a result of what essentially amounts to acidosis of, of the tissues in the organ. 
and the coronavirus oxygenates them in such a way as to reverse the effect in a short matter of hours. Um, so if people reach out and take hold of that, we'll see on the front lines a big opportunity of recovery, which is why we've been trying to promote it. Uh, but I also think you'll see people, because the key thing that's driving this whole process, fear. Fear is driving it. Do you think we should hey, be a fearful people, Bob? Well, not really, but, but uh, Stacy had a funny look on his face. You said that the coronavirus reverses that. You meant to say- No, I meant to say chlorine, chlorine dioxide. dioxide. Yes, of course. Sorry. Yeah, but you and I have been on shows all day. Stacy hasn't. <laughs> but at any rate, uh, yeah, no, we should not be driven by fear, but I understand people that don't know the Lord and who, uh, you know, and, and they tell you all these things, like you talked about going to the movie theater. Well, if the coronavirus lives on popcorn for two days, I ain't, you know, there's no point in going if you can't eat popcorn. So, uh, well, you're eating two day old popcorn, Bob? Yeah. Well, Who <laughs> eats two day old popcorn? popcorn? <laughs> what theater are you going to? My gosh. Sorry. Sorry. But, but nonetheless, people, there's so much uncertainty out there. That's the problem. We don't really know. And we are afraid of the unknown. Um, and, the, and without Christ, so certainly we're, we're afraid of the unknown. So these are, these are scary times. Well, we, need, we need certainty. I want to raise a question, though, before we get off that topic. I, I look back at the history of the United States, and I would say, and this was the case in literature, it was the case in the reaction of other people to our country, it was the case of people's reaction when they came to America in the 19th and er early 20th century, uh, at least, but even later. And, and guess what was our most notable quality? I would say our fearlessness to do That's right. That's why, that's why in, in the famous song we celebrated, we called ourselves the land of the free and the home of home. the brave. Mm -hmm. Not the home of the fearful, sheltering in place folks who think that the loss of life is be all and as terrible and a calamity, who are afraid to face the risks of adventuring out into the wilderness, into new ways of doing things, into new prospects for industry and stuff. Americans were renowned to be risk takers. Not people who sit back waiting for the world to overwhelm them and looking for the government to please protect us from that overwhelming fear. Does this crisis, if it continues the way it has been handled, portend the destruction of the brave character of the American people? Are we done with? Because if so, I wonder if this country can survive. Well, I had a question about that a little earlier. I mean, uh, a couple of weeks when this first came out, I said, is this a pandemic or plandemic? Now I wonder, is it possibly a shamdemic, where really <laughs> it's just a sham to get people afraid of what's going on and afraid of going out, afraid of going back to business as usual, afraid to, to go out and talk to their neighbor and, and be part of a community or protest if they mm. so want. Well, that brings to mind something that I did run across. Um, and we were talking about it a little before the show started. Uh, Dr. Fauci, he's not, a, he's not one of my favorite people. Uh, I, I don't know if he's one of Trump's favorite people. He seems to be of two minds about that. Some days he seems to think he can rely on his expertise. Other days he seems to be suggesting, gosh, if I could only fire this guy, we could get somewhere. Uh, but I would recommend that he go with the latter. Go with your gut, yes. President Trump. Fauci is false from the get-go, and, and you need to let him go. Why do I think this? Because he's a guy who says things, contradictory things, that don't make sense. Right? 
So at first he's encouraging everybody to believe, you don't need masks, you don't need precautions, go to the big gatherings for Chinese New Year or whatever you want to do, and it's fine because that's not going to be so dangerous. Well, that wasn't Fauci so dangerous. That. Fauci I'm that. sorry, I'm sorry. He encouraged that view. Yes, he did, early on. Of course, the other Democrats were the ones who actually told the crowds that, but he was the one who authorized the position of a little lackadaisical look at it. The guy who was sort of talking up the risks from the get-go was the invisible individual in the Trump administration on this whole business, who has been invisible for the last several weeks, whom, if you just thought about it, who's the guy you would expect to be number one or number two? Dr. Ben Carson, personally. No, number one or number two, right up there, uh, speaking for everybody and so forth and so on. We do, after all, have a department for this purpose. Can anybody name the department of uh, that, uh, the guy who is heading up HHS? <laughs> Think about that. Honor? The guy who heads up the Department of Health is a name we don't think of anymore. Uh, Alex Azar. He's actually oh. a lawyer. And you haven't heard a peep from him because he came into bad odor by being the guy who was sounding the warning early on. Now, he's a darling of some of the people on the left, even though I don't think they really appreciate the complexity of what he represents. He's, die, he's their darling. Uh, because he spoke up and sort of allows them to pretend that that puts Trump in a key position. He didn't acknowledge this, didn't acknowledge that, and so forth and so on. But what was going on was the competing battle between Azar and the more lackadaisical people who said at that point that it really wasn't a problem. Okay? And he's been in the doghouse. I don't know if he's coming out or leaving the administration, what he's doing, because you just don't hear about him anymore. Uh, but it goes to show that at first, I think, they, a lot of people misguided President Trump. And his natural optimism, I think, uh, came into play. But he quickly, he quickly looked at the facts and said, no, we better prepare in a proper way for this. And that's when he made the decision on China and other such decisions, which they immediately decried. But I just find it fascinating. So, so Fauci talks out of both sides of his mouth, like Pelosi and these other people. One day, they're calling Trump terrible because he won't let them go and thinks that they shouldn't have Chinese people coming. Next day, they're saying he was behindhand and too slow. I mean, and Fauci is, I think, part of the reason for that, because he says contradictory things. Just now, I was reading an article and he's saying that uh, regardless, we're going to have to be uh, careful and keep taking uh, the precautions. We need the, the, the social distancing and so forth and so on. So social distancing stays. He actually expressed the view that he hoped that handshakes disappear forever. And our country is, again, known around the world as a people who shake hands. Lots of people in different countries don't shake hands. And Japan, it's been a characteristic. Bow. I know people bow. People do various things. Uh, but... Uh, we have been known as the people who stick out our hand and shake hands with you vigorously and so forth everywhere we went in the world. And now he's saying he hopes that stops. Get rid of that. And meanwhile, he's also uh, uh, sort of countenancing the idea that if you use one of these kind of uh, Internet hookup things and, and socializing things, uh, that, that uh, it's all right, therefore, I guess, to get intimate with a stranger. Does this make sense? This is a guy who talks out of both sides of his mouth. He's like the ancient Roman god Janus. He ought to have two heads looking in both directions. I think he's sort of like, a, <laughs> honestly, he's a great shield for Trump. Because whatever Trump can say, Trump can say it's sun shining, Fauci can say it's cloudy, and then if it 
ends up being cloudy and say, well, look, I, I had my guy Fauci in charge of everything and it was cloudy, just like he said. And if it turns to be sunshine, he can say, look, it's sunshining. I told you it was all right. I think he's, he's playing Fauci both sides and being able to use him a little bit when he wants to and, you know, take the good that he gets out of him and, and the bad and go the other direction if he wants to. And well, either way, he, he's right. I, I don't know that Fauci is right because I don't think he is necessarily right. But I also think that from the point of view of a president headed toward an election, right? And that moment of election, it is the least possible strategy for you to stand behind your staff. People don't elect a staff. They elect a president. They elect somebody mm -hmm. who becomes the focal point, as we are now experiencing, of their hopes, of their courage, of their fears or fearlessness. And that is going to become more and more an issue. Now, Trump is somebody, I think, who has all the characteristics of a fearless president, of a president who is decisive, who knows how to lead, who makes the choices that are hard, and has been willing to do so. But if he keeps acting like these two-faced, double-mouthed people are speaking in any way for him, I think he's going to lose that impression of who he really is. I think he's been brilliant at that from almost the get-go, saying, especially on this issue, he said, hey, it's not such a big thing, but we're shutting down China. He said, hey, you know, we don't really, I really don't want to close down the everything business, but we're doing it. And then he's saying, well, we're going to, I'm going to open up back everything. But then he's saying, well, it's not really me, it's up to the states. He's really being able to grab the best of both worlds, being the president. He has the huge megaphone that he has. I think he has that ability to play both sides. Well, one last comment, and then I'm going to ask Bob for his, his view on this subject, because I think that you could put it best of both worlds, or you could put it as trying to grasp both horns of the dilemma. And like somebody who doesn't know how to ride a bull, you're very likely to be tossed off <laughs> if you're not careful. Uh, what do you think, Bob? Well, I think President Trump's in a very bad situation. I don't think there is a right or wrong. I think either way, uh, the Democrats are going to spin it that he messed up. And I think he's surround, surrounded by globalists. And uh, even some of the Republicans are not really on his side. And uh, we see that when we talk to Dr. Shiva up in Massachusetts. You know, the, the, the Republicans there are all really Democrats. So it's a really bad situation. And we should all be praying that God's wisdom would be on President Trump because uh, he admits this is a, the hardest decisions he's ever made in his life. Well, he has cut out the WHO funding, talking about yep. cutting out the WHO funding. I think that's, you talk about, Bob, you're saying about the globalists. I think that's a direct shot at the globalists. Amen. Saying, you guys are not leading the show like you used to. It's a new sheriff in town. But I Amen. think, and this is why we have been, in case you all, some of you, I hope, have been going to our site, you've been watching, because we've actually been presenting something that, is now getting more and more clearly scientifically established in an irrefutable way. Uh, and that is the effect that chlorine dioxide has in replenishing the oxygen in the tissues of our body, including, to start with on this particular question, what's going on in the lungs of people who ultimately die from the effects of COVID-19. And if he had something like that in his hand, and courageously decided to move forward with it, that would win him the election right there. He'd mark himself off as somebody who can reject 
the bought and sold opinions of so-called experts, stand on the common sense that is then backed up by science and take a decision that makes a difference that could save hundreds, thousands of lives in America, but also decisively demonstrate that he can see through uh, a lot of this to get to the heart of the issue. Well, that's a prospect in front of him, but will he grasp it? That remains to be seen. More coming right after this. More IMTV episodes? We are now streaming through Roku. Roku is a device that enables you to stream entertainment to your TV through your internet provider. The starting price is only $29, and you can purchase one either online or through your local electronics retailer. It's easy to use, and you won't have to worry about missing any more IMTV episodes. IMTV, changing the world. Podcasts are great when you're a multitasking person. You can listen to them around the house, when you're out in the car, when you take a walk. Now we have put our shows on to podcasts, and you can listen to Let's Talk America uh, on podcasts. You can find them at Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Anchor FM, and other apps. While you're there, subscribe to our channel so you don't miss out on our new episodes. Thanks for listening and supporting us. Together, we're changing the world. Skepticism. Oh. oh. Welcome back. We've been chatting, obviously. Every now and again, you're going to come back. You're going to break in on our conversation. Why? Because this is a conversation, y'all, and it goes on even when we're not on camera, right? And so we continue discussing things. We were continuing to discuss what I just said about this being an opportunity for Trump to make a difference. And you expressed some skepticism about the alternative. Yes, right? I am a, I'm a skeptic of, of, of corn, dioxide, or corn dioxide. I just don't, I'm not really... It hasn't been proven to me yet. I'm not like well, a, I'm not. Have you seen uh, any evidence of Andreas Kalker's work? I have not. Okay. I have not. Uh, could you do me a favor? Do we have it anywhere yes. that you can get it quickly, Hunter? And cue up the video and watch these two minutes. If they don't have some effect on your opinion, I'll be extremely surprised. And by the way, the technology that was involved in making this video, Mike Adams expressed how impressed he was by the fact that Andreas Kalker had the ability to produce this out. All right, this, I'm gonna be skeptical video. and watch skeptical. Watch. The use of chlorine dioxide has been declared by many government sources to be dangerous to human health on the grounds that it causes metahemoglobinemia. Well, these allegations are clearly based on a mistaken premise. There is no discussion that inhaled chlorine dioxide blocks the function of the alveoli and as consequent, the blood is deprived of oxygen with the resulting metahemoglobinemia. But, now it comes. However, the oral or intravenous use of 50 ppm aqueous, aqueous solution of chlorine dioxide with a pH 7.4 achieves just the opposite, which can be perfectly observed under the phase contrast microscope, as in this video, where a 100 ppm solution is introduced from the left above. We can observe here the effect of chlorine dioxide in live blood with metahemoglobinemia. Additional venous blood gases in all volunteers have confirmed this fact by observing an increase of bioavailable oxygen in the blood up to 50% without any deterioration. And it can be it can be seen clearly that chlorine dioxide in aqueous solution eliminates metahemoglobinemia by oxygenating the blood and improving its flow contrary to what the FDA and the World Health Organization wrongly claim. 
So to declare chlorine dioxide as a dangerous substance to ingest when there's not a single scientific documented case of death in 100 years is a serious mistake that will cost thousands of lives for the negligence of not having proven this false premise by the governments. There you go. Now, tell me that you could hear that and not think, well, I need to know more about that. Well, I'm not saying it's a failure. I'm, I'm, I'm not. I'm clearly not. I'm just saying that I don't, I don't think it has been proven to be a success in this situation. Well, when you say proof, because part of the problem with the discussion of proof is that you are acting as if, if I, for instance, am, and, and this uh, gentleman we were watching, he was actually led to devote 13 years now of his life under enormous pressure and with enormous losses. Right? He was ridiculed and his degrees were taken away and he was persecuted and so forth and so on. And yet, now as our technology advances, you can actually watch as what he predicted to be the effect. It reminds me of that guy who kept saying that ulcers were caused by, I think, a bacteria or a virus. And they laughed at him and said that wasn't the cause and so forth and so on. Turned out to be absolutely correct when we advanced in science. He has turned out to be absolutely correct, and you can watch it now. You can watch this correct uh, confirmation of what he said. Now, there have been those of us, including myself, who have experienced that confirmation by experiencing the effects of chlorine dioxide itself. You have people who have testified by the hundreds to the effect that it had in various ways. Throughout human history, that experience was taken as solid evidence that a given combination of things, could be herbs, could be this, could be that. When they treated on the battlefield the wounds of, I don't know, the people who fought in the Peloponnesian War, they didn't all die of septicemia because they didn't have antibiotics. They treated them with things that had been validated by experience, and when we follow in the traces of what they were using in their poultices and so forth, we have verified their antibacterial effect right now with our science. Verified, not produced, not created. So what they saw was evidence. And that evidence has been multiplying for the last 20 odd years and more, 25, all over the world. And it's been systematically denied, repressed, lied about. Why? Because the causation pharmaceutical industry, I mean, hold it, causation, I'm sorry, causation in the case uh, that we're talking about has been treated as causation and was treated as causation by medical people, the only doctors they had, and they actually produced results because the human race wouldn't have survived as it has without those results. And right now, that causation is no longer the question. You're expressing skepticism now because you want people to die while you're waiting no, 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 for... No, no, no. Oh, no, I'm hold not it. wanting people to die. Hold Don't it. say Let I'm wanting to people I'm not to saying die. wanting. I'm not. But I, you, you're, you're going to allow people to die because of that lack. And by the way, his analysis of what's actually happening with people who have the COVID virus, because he said something that echoed with several people that I've read now before. And one of them is a frontline battler who is working on the front lines in New York to try to keep people alive who are suffering from this respiratory uh, uh, syndrome. He concludes that it is the deprivation, it is oxygen deprivation, oxygen deprivation, not pneumonia, that is killing those people. And, and he has developed a protocol for the use of the ventilators that tries to take account of that. 
I'm going to go after this guy, see if I can get him on the program, let him watch this, have, and see whether he's it, this skeptical. But it has a 97% success rate, which is what you have said, 97% success rate. Actually, if you do absolutely nothing, there's a 97% success rate. So where is the actual What are you, what are you talking about? If 97% of the people who get COVID have no, do not die from it. But now you can demonstrate the technique that is producing the effect. If you do so that people nothing, who are no dying, effect. no, not the, that's not true. You're using general statistics and then applying it to the particular situation. Because I didn't say we were talking about the general population that was certainly going to help them. I said there was a 97% success rate with people who are suffering from the actual symptoms that are leading to death. And that lead to death, as he said, because when he was approached by doctors who said, uh, we want to try this solution and, and so forth, because uh, our patients, they might get better. But uh, if, they, if we have 14 days and we can do the test and we can do this, they might get better. But they'll die right now because they'll only live for seven days. And they tried the test and it worked. So if you're saying okay? seven, 97% so you can save of the people. 3%, that's a different story. 90, well, I'm saying 97% of the people who were threatened to be within that 3%, closer to it than all the others who are developing various and assorted symptoms. These are people acutely suffering from the respiratory syndrome, and they're brought back to uh, a life, as it were, brought back to out of that shadow of death. They are brought back to life and have been. You can't ignore this. If you I go on ignore this, of the above. no, hold it. Whatever's going to help if we go on, with it. If we go on ignoring what is right in front of our face and letting people die as a result, if we go on listening to folks who tell us we have to wait for the vaccine for 18 months, how many people are going to die in that 18 months FDA. who could be saved? Your problem's not with the skeptics. The no, problem my is problem's with not the with the FDA. My problem's with the American people. The because the, the FDA, no, the FDA in the end is going to have to answer to the representatives of the people, to the president of the United States, who can be emboldened by our people with the simple observation. We are a people who got where we are by taking reasonable risks. And if you're watching the oxygenation effect, if you're seeing it reported in the case of patients around the world for several decades now, the idea that you're going to sit back and wait while Fauci speaks out of the other side of his mouth, okay, is insane. And if Donald Trump were to grasp this by the nettle and decide we're going to give this a try, especially in light of the fact, the last thing that, that Calker pointed out, which I have verified, but I didn't speak it as boldly because I'm not a scientist and I hadn't been able to go through all of the evidence that he has. But if that statement is correct, in a hundred years, no deaths resulting from chlorine dioxide, then you're in a situation right. of saying, oh, let me see, we can do this. It might fail in a certain percentage of the cases, but it's not going to have any harmful side effects. And it saves people because we've got lots of reports of how it's done. You know, done. I'm going to give you the what? Donald Trump position on this where it should be, which is the same as his energy policy, believe it or not. His energy policy was, if it works... Great. If it's yes. solar, great. If it's wind, great. Yes. If it's nuclear, great. If it's oil, great. If it's coal, great. Whatever's going to get us there, great. Same thing. He's gone beyond that. Same thing with that. I think yes. with COVID, it should be any of the above. He's We're going to get rid of the FDA that. and say, if, if this works, great. If the uh, malaria drug works, great. But if they're not saying works, that. Great. He should apply that policy. It's already been articulated as the right to try. It's in the bill. The right to try. Right.
If you're faced with a situation that's fatal and so forth and so on, they don't have measures that are going to save you, which they admit they don't because there is no vaccine. All of this is just wishful thinking. Too late to be distancing and stuff when people are dying of oxygen de deprivation. you got to do something about it. Okay? And if that's the situation which it is, the right to try principle would then try chlorine dioxide. Okay? And, and there is not a downside. And the, they've been making it up. And I find it repellent that we are allowing these so-called experts to come up with ways of even suppressing information about this with false statements about chlorine dioxide, palpably unscientific, untrue statements that they know to be such in order to intimidate folks from suggesting that others explore avenues that have been shown to be helpful. And for the first time, Bob, I heard from Andreas, a, I think, scientifically plausible, right, explanation that you would then, of course, be testing as to why it then has the effects that it does across a broad range of diseases that afflict the body. Didn't you hear it? He explained well, that really well. But I wanted to ask Stacy, you know, you and I went to Uganda. No, I didn't and go to Uganda. We have a documentary oh, no, out now. Me. No, me and Alan. Yes. Went to Uganda and we did a documentary where we prove that that chlorine dioxide kills the malaria uh, parasite in two hours. I mean, it's there. It's obvious. There was a Red Cross study that was done previously that that proved basically the same thing. They didn't know it was doing it in two hours. They were testing in a 24 hour period and they proved it killed it. But here's what I'm I'm wondering about is, I mean, we're sitting here telling you this, Stacy, and and yet you just you say, well, I don't believe it. I don't, you know, that's hogwash. It's whatever. It's whatever. And that's the sort of attitude that the American people have because they so much want to believe in the false hope of doctors and pharmaceutical drugs. No, which no. Have completely I'm with you, Bob. I'm with you. I agree with you. I, my argument is not necessarily against your, your product or anybody else's product. My problem is with the FDA. My problem with, is totally. with the AMA. No. Those are the people who are right restricting now. anything. I think yeah. you should be able to... If you put a banana peel in your ear or something, that, that works great. Who could right now cry. cut through all of that? Okay? We've declared an can, emergency. Can you do away with the FDA? We, uh, uh, no, you can do away with their false lies and premises and believe what's in front of your eyes. He gets to do that. He doesn't have to follow the dictates of his bureaucrats, especially not when the law does not apply. If, if, because they're hiding behind the fact that people have been selling chlorine dioxide. But there are other people like Bob Sisson. He gives it away. He gives away the ingredients, instructs people how to use them, gives it away. Genesis 2 gives it away. So the actual law doesn't apply to that circumstance, right? And what you're doing there is moving directly against the liberty of people to assess the situation, look at the evidence, appraise the factual nature of that evidence, and say, I want to try this. I'm one of those people. I have ingested chlorine dioxide, and I've got to tell you, in case people haven't noticed, I have lost a little weight, that helps. But nothing has helped to give me the feeling I get when I wake up every day, and for the first time in ages, in the course of the last years, I've gone from being somebody you thought, you looked at me, and, you, and people, I'm sure, were saying in the back of your mind, well, 
you know, he may have a few more years, but he's not looking that great. Boy, where did the Allen keys go? <laughs> and, and I got proof of it. Uh, in just recent days, I went to give a couple of speeches, and I was, uh, I, it used to be the case, you know, even after years, that I walked around, and this was back in, in the, um, uh, about 2010, when I was out doing campaigning for people doing various stuff. And the people would see me who didn't know me from Adam, but had seen me somewhere, been to an event and so forth. And they would walk up and they would say hello. And then, uh, three or four years later, it stopped. Do you know why it stopped? It didn't stop because people just fade from your mind. No, when they see you, they would remember. But when they saw me in that condition, they didn't recognize me. I didn't look like the same person. And, and, and now, in recent, in recent weeks, as I've been traveling up and down doing various things, guess what? Syndrome is back. It's years later. It should be even less probable that anybody would do it. I will say you're but looking good. But now that I look great. more the way I did then and feel more the way I did then. Now, for Your me to up. wait a minute. Your for me up. to testify to that right here on this program, we have to sit here being afraid that some minion of the FDA is going to come put a sign on the door and say, you shut up. You can't talk about that. I can't talk about my experience. I can't share the truth with people. Why the heck not in the United States? I want to know mm. what's going on in this country. Hey, we're scared to be six feet apart. I mean, come on. You cannot say I have no fear of talking about something that's, a, I'm going to say, questionable drug. It's and not questionable you, anymore. Then what are you worried about being six feet away it's from something me for? I'm not worried about being six <laughs> feet away from you. Right now, right now, I am simply not doing things that would set a bad example for people who haven't been taking chlorine dioxide, who don't know about its advantages, and therefore may not be experiencing its effects. Because I feel pretty confident. I'm not ill, and nobody's going to get ill from me. But I don't get to impose that feeling on others in, in defiance of things that have been implemented to try to help deal with this situation, and I didn't want us to give that impression. So you're for all of the above? So, I'm not for all of the above. What I'm for is giving the truth a try and not letting these bureaucrats stop you. And I pray God that that's what Donald Trump would do. Once he gets wind of this, he needs to brush them aside, as he has been doing on many things, and say, this must be given a try, and then let Amen. the results speak for themselves. Well, I think Trump has always been the person. They say, you know, he's out of control. I think it, they're half right. They're out of Democrat. He's not controlled by the government. He's not controlled by the bureaucrats like the presidents of the past have always been. He is out of their control. So I think in that respect, they're right. Bob, what do you think? Well, well, I, I think with all my heart, within a week or two, uh, certainly within a month, Chlorine dioxide is going to be the topic of conversation all over the world. It's going to burst out from where it's been hidden. And you're right, it's suppressed by the evil people at the FDA and the CDC. They do not have anybody's best interest at heart. They are truly the leaders now. They're evil people. And you saw it when they said, oh, no, you don't need masks. You know, you don't need to, you know, you, early on, they did more to further this problem than they did to help it. They even sent out false tests. They hesitated, hesitated, hesitated. Then they sent out tests that didn't even work. Mm. And, and, and they knew in November the 15th, they put on their website an ad for people to work in a pandemic situation. They knew way back in November all this was coming. And then when it came time for action, they were impotent to do anything. That's evil and it's wrong. 
And uh, they're going to be punished for it, too, by the way. Well, I think we've come to a point in the program when I wouldn't want to be introducing something that really needs to be discussed, as we just did. See, I thought we'd talk about several topics. Turned out we only talked about one, and, and it, again, is natural. Because right now, we're facing an unprecedented situation. Everybody knows it. I don't think since Pearl Harbor, the country has never been hit this hard and never been in this danger. Right? We're in a dangerous situation. We are in a position, not as we were after Pearl Harbor where they bombed us and we could be taken down maybe by the results. No, not a shot has been fired, except, except possibly, the stealth weapon infiltrated into our midst. And I will say it, I entertain that possibility. Okay? The Chinese had all of the ingredients, had all of the expertise. They had a scientist who had worked on gain of function for the coronavirus and specifically From for the bat virus. He was a for a the Harvard bat guy, virus. Wasn't he? For the bat no, this is a sheep. Oh, okay. For the bat virus that was ultimately blamed, said it was out of a wet market. You've noticed, have y'all noticed? That more and more, what I and others have been saying, that it came out of their lab. Mm -hmm. And now it's a question mm. of, did it come out of their lab by accident? Was yes. it being developed in their lab yes. for a good purpose? Or was it part of bio-warfare research that then came out of their lab, either through accident and prematurely, thereby affecting their people? Or if you want to uh, ascribe the more unscrupulous and inhuman quality that characterizes a lot of communist regimes as a way of doing a test to see what would happen in a larger population. Have you heard the rumor that Gates had funding going into this and they had been talking about uh, possibly a vaccine for this months and a, uh, literally a couple months before this Absolutely. broke out? saying, hey, this could, coronavirus is a thing we're going to have to watch out for. We're working on a cure for it. And that's before it even came out that possibly his involvement somehow was just a, a precursor well, to get this going. I, I, I would like to spare myself the trouble of defending against premature statements that I can't factually back up. In that regard, my suspicions, I think, will be, remain mine. Uh, let's just put it this way. I look back over Bill Gates' career, had enormous success, made some great advances that have been relied upon by all of us. I'm using uh, those advances right now. But we all know who I've read his biography that he wasn't exactly, how can I put it, averse to using some pretty tough-minded tactics to suppress competition, get things out of his way, co-opt the work of others. I don't want to go into the details, but I think that that's a question mark. People can reform. They can change. He could be the great philanthropist with no ambition <laughs> uh, whatsoever for himself. But when you're putting all the emphasis on vaccines that you talk about questionable, the only reason that we aren't just openly saying they're questionable is because they have suppressed the voices of everybody who questions them. Is that the role of the FDA? Do you think that's the role of the FDA, Bob? No, it's not, and it's pretty obvious that vaccines are evil. They, they, uh, Mike says they could possibly be made right, but the, the evil people making them have no intentions of them uh, helping mankind. Neither does Bill Gates. We've all seen his, uh, his TED Talks where he talks about uh, reducing the Earth's population. So the guy's evil. He's a Satanist. 
I so will say it this. It is what it is. I think Bill Gates should work on getting the viruses out of computers and stick with that. Well, if we can do that, I'd be happy with it. He's been working very hard to introduce vaccines. Some of them, by the way, uh, there were the bishops in Africa who made a fuss because uh, a vaccine that was being administered was found to have in it elements that were aimed at suppressing births, so at population control, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and this caused a lot of protests and, 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 and things like that. Plus his TED Talks, I think. How do you get from eight to nine billion people down to the carrying capacity of the earth, which is around a billion or less, according to Bill Gates in that talk. Uh, I think you do it by suppressing a lot of births and by allowing a lot of deaths. And then I look at the policies of the Democrats and the others he's so buddy buddy with, and they wanna kill babies and other things coming out of the womb. They wanted, in fact, to get us used to the idea that because old people are old and therefore useless and young people are strong and can, can resist the virus, it doesn't matter so much, as one person said, that people in Italy are dying because it has the oldest population in Europe and we can get rid of some of those old people. Yes, but the nice thing is the uh, <coughs> coronavirus has closed 5,600 Planned Parenthood clinics around the, around the world. So I think that part of it. Yeah, except the ones that governor, Democrat governors, in our yeah. country are keeping open sure, because sadly. they're the party of death. They're the deathocrats. And the guys who buddy up with them and provide them with all the money to do their mischief, I have deep suspicions about them. Anyway, I thought we would have trouble sustaining our conversation today. We never do, do we all? Uh, that's because what's going on is worthy of deep thought and we're giving it. Why don't you try doing the same? Ponder what you've heard here today and then come back. Join us again for Let's Talk America.